Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Coast to Coast Crime, a show where I will take you all over the United States covering major crimes in a very different state as we go. My name is Alex, and with me today is my husband slash co-host and producer, Hunter. Hi there. <laughs> um, I am true crime obsessed. I listen to anything true crime, podcast shows, you name it, and I've been wanting to create my own podcast for I cannot even tell you how long. Um, so quarantine was kind of the kick in the ass. I needed to get it done. Um, so I'm not a professional. I'm just a true crime lover, and I am sure there's going to be a few bumps along the way, but we'll get through it. Um, so I'm so excited to have you guys here. And yeah, I guess let's just get into it. Let's get some murder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the biggest murder fan, but being married to a, a true crime advocate, this is uh, this will be interesting to learn along the way. Yeah, basically recording the conversations that he's forced to hear on a daily basis anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Walking away to go to the kitchen. Did you know the Ted Bundy? Okay, that's fine. Um, so anyway, let's get into it. So uh, today I'll be covering a quadruple murder uh, coming in hot. Um, it takes place in New Remain. So these are the murders of James Whitehurst, Julie Boulard. Selby Bullard, actually, I'm so bad with pronunciations. I'm terribly sorry in advance. And Cynthia Beetson. And yes, like I said, I'm sorry in advance. I am horrific with pronunciations. I apologize. Um, So my sources today, I used Murderpedia, um, mylifeofcrime.wordpress.com. It's a blog by Bonnie. An article by Clark Canfield. Um, It's a southcoasttoday.com article. Um, And the episode, uh, season two, episode seven of Sins and Secrets. Can we go back? Did you just say Murderpedia? Yeah, you don't know about Murderpedia? Okay, I'm sorry. Is that a Wikipedia for murder? (laughs) Yes, it is. This is... (laughs) It is. Uh, wow. I, I have to say, I, I did not stumble upon that on my own. I a lot of my podcasts that I listen to, um, they always reference it, and it's an amazing, amazing source. It kind of compiles everything from all over the internet in one spot. About murder. About murder. <laughs> yes. Like, you can type in, like, killed with an axe and click on the you, link of axe, and it will yeah. show you all of the axe murders. Well, no. So, like, if you go on it, you can do it by state. You can basically do it by country, do it by state. Um, and then it'll give you, you're like, oh, Arkansas, boom. All the, and it's not every crime, but it's whoever, whoever's running the site that uploads them. The I popular guess. But crimes. It's, um, I don't, I mean, I don't know if you call them popular, the but, but I give people okay. credit for actually, okay. so whoever I'm runs intrigued. that site. I'm intrigued. They are the best. Yes. Um, so, uh, Newry is known to be the quintessential New England town. Tourists flock there for authentic New England experiences. Um, it is also home to the Sunday River Ski Resort, which is a huge, very popular destination in that area. And it's a town where everybody knows everybody. Um, Julie Bullard was a spunky 25-year-old, 25-year-old, 65-year-old. Can y'all tell I'm excited and nervous? <laughs> it's a spunky 65-year-old who had a wonderful taste and her own unique style. Um, in 2004, she moved to Maine from San Francisco with her daughter, Selby. 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 After Selby's husband tragically died in a car crash. Julie, at the time, owned a bed and breakfast in the Castro, but decided to sell it and purchase in Maine to get a fresh start. So the Black Bear Inn uh, is a 130-year-old converted farmhouse, and when Julie took over, she added eclectic touches and really made it her own. Selby helped her mother get the inn up and running and then moved to the neighboring town of Bethel, where she became a realtor. So despite moving to Maine... Wait, she went from bed and breakfast owner to realtor? The daughter, yeah. 
Selby did. did. So she basically, her mom was like, this is her dream. She said, mom, I'll help you get your dream off the ground. We'll get you running in Maine. And then I'll go do my own thing and become a realtor in the neighboring town. Okay. So. Cool. From what I saw, it sounded like they were really, really close. And she was there to kind of just help, you know, as much as possible to get things going. Um, So she loved being in Maine. Julie did. But. Uh, you know, and at the bed at breakfast, but she had decided recently actually to sell the black bear um, and moved to New York City with another one of her daughters. She was finding it just really hard to survive financially in that area with an inn. Um, also residing at the black bear was James Whitehurst, age 50, from Batesville, Arkansas, and Christian Charles Nielsen, age 31, a cook at the Sudbury Inn in Bethel, not too far from Newry. James was an old friend of Julie's. They had actually met back in California and ran into each other again when they were in Maine. Um, He was there attempting to gain custody of his children and initially was only planning on staying a few weeks, but he decided to officially move there to help Julie and be the live-in handyman at the Black Bear. So they just seemed to have, like, the best relationship. Nice. Uh, Romantic. No, 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 not romantic. Just, Just friends. Just friends. Just friends, yeah. He seemed to kind of just be, like... You know, her ride or die in that I was trying to forecast his first of four murders, so (laughs) go ahead. No, unfortunately, um, he actually sounded like he was a pretty bad guy. Uh, Kristen Charles Nielsen had been living in the inn for about two months. He grew up in the Oxford County area and lived in Farmington for several years. The Farmington police said that he had a record of minor traffic violations, but no serious criminal offenses. And I'm talking about these places like I have any idea where they are, but if you were in Maine, I'm sure that rings a bell, so sorry for my ignorance. Um, Over the course of Labor Day weekend in 2006, Christian Charles Nielsen would commit what State Police Chief Colonel Craig Poling called, quote, a crime of horrific proportions. According to Christian and the evidence collected at the scene, they were able to determine how that fateful weekend played out. So here's here's how here's where it gets messed up. Did you just like Tarantino us? Did I? Were you like, hey, shit (laughs) went down and then you're like, but let's go back to the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, That's cool. I did. Oh right. God. So I'm, I'm cool with it. I was just like, wait a minute. I, 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 nope. We got it. Now we get the details. All right. Let's All right. The let's do it. So on Monday, September 4th, Christian called his father, Charles Nielsen, to tell him that Julie had gone to California and left him in charge of the inn. Knowing that his son had never run a bed and breakfast before, he and his wife, Lee Graham, decided to drive to the Black Bear to see if they could help him in any way. Once at the inn, though, Charles was walking around the property and noticed a blood trail leading toward the trees. He followed the trail and discovered body parts, and then he immediately called the police. So. Yeah, that's not (laughs) your normal Tuesday morning. It is not, especially when you're like, hey, I'll help my son out, and then that. I got this. Wait a tick. Yeah, it's not good. Um, So upon arrival, the uh, first officer responding, Dan Hansen, encountered a woman at the end of the driveway, waving her hands, basically frantic, um, appearing to be in a state of panic. And she told him that something terrible had happened at the inn. So initially, when the officer showed up, Officer Hansen said that he didn't really notice anything that was out of the ordinary and didn't think there was anything weird. But as he walked into the property more, he noticed the same blood trail that Charles saw leading from the back door to a woodpile. At the tree line, he saw a torso severed at the waist and legs. Jesus. Yeah, it gets worse. Um, He also discovered a second torso and another lower torso. What? Yeah. After further inspection, he discovered a yellow wheelbarrow next to some tarps. He lifted the tarps and saw a severed foot and another upper torso severed at the waist. He also discovered three dead dogs, which, yeah. 
I'm, I, I, know, I lost track of the torsos. There was <laughs> one torso yeah. by the wood pile. It was a total of, of if I'm not mistaken, it was three torsos. So three torsos in two different locations. Three torsos and three dogs. Yes, three torsos and three dogs. Asshole. Yeah. Who kills dogs? This well, asshole. humans too. Whatever. <laughs> well, you'll hear more about that, sadly, uh, as to why later. But um, so shortly before 6 p.m., officers determined there were three bodies, not two. And Christian actually helped the police identify two of the bodies of Julie and Selby. Um the third body was later to be identified as Cynthia Beetson, and James is nowhere to be found. And I personally, I can't stand it. In a lot of these true crime shows you see, it's like the killer will put themselves inside of the investigation, or they'll be like, oh, I'll help search for the missing person, and they're the one that did it. Anytime yeah. you see somebody that helps like that, it just hits me in this weird way where I'm like, that is like the most pure, crazy evil that I've ever seen. Punishment for kind service. Oh, yeah, I get what you're no, saying. Like, like, when you like, find out... Yeah, it's like that it. That yeah. was a murderer, and they're like, oh, I killed that person, but let me help you go on the search for this, and I'm handing out flyers. It's like, Oh, I thought, like, anytime you? someone's like, I'm here to offer any no. advice, you're like, that's it, that's the fucking no. guy. Get him now. <laughs> I mean, red flag? No, just kidding. Arrest him. Um, so... Based on the evidence, uh, the police believe that sometime during the early morning hours of Sunday, September 3rd, Julie was startled awake in her bed and shot to death. Then she was drug out to the tree line. Bullets that were pulled from her wall indicated that a 38 caliber handgun was used. The officers eventually determined that all three bodies were killed inside the house and then drug outside where they were found. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. While searching the inn, an officer found a 38 caliber handgun inside a toolbox. Immediately, they realized it was the same type of weapon that was used to commit the murders. And despite there being no bad blood between Julie and James, the cops had to consider that that he could possibly be the perpetrator, and they couldn't rule him out because they had no idea where he was. Yeah. Um, furthering their suspicion that James could have been involved was the fact that the Black Bear's guest registries showed no one checking in or out over the course of that weekend. The police soon discovered that James had to walk with a cane due to complications of polio when he was a child, though. So it kind of made them question it if he could physically do it. But it tough to drag they, three bodies and cut them up. But they still thought there might be a way so they couldn't officially rule him out. True. Um, so still unable to locate James, they finally asked Christian if he knew where he was. And to their surprise, he actually said yes. Christian said that he would take them to Upton, about 10, 15 miles away from the inn, where he said he went with James on Friday, September 1st. So to give you an idea, and like I said, I don't know that area of where Upton is, and it's so tiny. Um, at the time, the population of Upton was 65. So that was the entire population in 2006 of that tiny town. So Got to be a little hard to hide. or Yeah, there's, you I know. Mean, you just definitely know everyone. Though. Yeah, so you know everybody. So according to Nielsen, he said he took the cops. So they said he took the cops up to the clearing in the woods and basically explained that he had taken James up there for an impromptu fishing trip that Friday. They ate sandwiches. James had a cigarette. Everything was normal. Nielsen said he told James that he had to pee and he walked off. He then snuck up behind James, pulled out his 38 caliber handgun and shot him twice in the back of the head. So they were just hanging out, fishing trip. Oh, that sandwich was nice. Have a cigarette execution style cap in the head twice and he didn't even see it coming which i guess that's better than being afraid for your life he just like oh look at the pretty scenery but it's just like i mean <laughs> that I, was a shakespearean thing right yeah. look at the flowers oh, look at the flowers i don't know that always makes you think of the walking dead and that oh, yeah was never that could good. be too um so he stated that he then hid his body and returned to the inn the next day he went back to bury the body but found it was too difficult to dig a hole so he decided to burn james instead 
Um, and part of the police video featured on Sins and Secrets, he actually said that while James's body was burning, he, quote, took the pickaxe and chopped him in places so he would burn faster. And he says it in such a cool as a cucumber way. It is so disturbing to watch. I can't even, like, fathom. Just zero remorse. Like, it's like, you know, oh, the sky is blue. Like, and then I chopped him with a pickaxe. Like, it's just deranged. Wow. Um, and to the officer's surprise, Christian said he actually bought the handgun for the sole purpose of killing James. He said that the killing was to satisfy an urge that he had um, for a long time, and he thought nobody would miss him. And this guy had no track record. How old he is this? No, How old is this uh, guy? 31. So he had minor, you know, traffic violations and DUIs is basically all that I read. There was nothing that would have alerted to any, no violent past, nothing. So this was like complete out of the blue as far as they were concerned. Yeah. Like, I just, you, I always find that shocking when they're like, well, they had this urge. Like that, that urge is usually something I believe that's kind of sits and simmers for a while. It's well, not like, oh, I'm suddenly 30. Yeah. I feel like a full grown up. Let well, me go pop a couple people in the head. Yeah. And that's kind of basically what would happen is that he talks about it later on, like in, during the trial and whatnot. And they say, you know, he thought about it for years and then just all of a sudden, you know, just oh, laid, okay. he's kind of just laid in wait, so to speak. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, he was wrong, though, and Julie absolutely did notice James's absence, uh, which is sadly what led her to her murder. That's kind of editorializing a little bit, but based on what they said, it seemed that she kind of figured out, like, hey, he's not here. What the heck is going on? Um, so now a timeline was starting to emerge, putting Nielsen in the center of the investigation. After murdering Julie, Christian then nonchalantly showed up for his line cook shift at the Sudbury Inn, getting off work sometime late in the evening. And apparently he worked that entire weekend, every shift, like nothing had happened. Like he worked Friday after the murder, or like the entire weekend, he just showed up on time. His boss said he wasn't acting weird. He was acting totally normal, but he was on this killing just spree. To work. Yeah. Um, so Julie's daughter, Selby Bullard, she was 30 years old. She became concerned when she was unable to reach her mother on her cell phone. Julie had very bad asthma and get into coughing fits. So when she didn't answer, she knew something was probably wrong. Um, on Monday morning, Selby and her best friend and coworker, Cynthia Beetson, 42, decided to drive from Bethel to Newry to check on her at the bed and breakfast. Christian was caught off guard by the women showing up. Selby marched into Julie's room with Cynthia right behind her, and as soon as she entered her mother's bedroom, she noticed blood and bullet holes in the wall. According to Christian, Selby turned around and asked him, quote, did you kill my mother? And at that very moment, he shot Cynthia in the back of the head and then shot Selby. After they both fell, he proceeded to shoot them both multiple times in the head and neck before dragging them to the woodpile. And that's like he actually said, like, they were both in the room and Cynthia followed Selby in and boom, he shot her and then just shot the daughter too. Like, just boom, boom. And no one, there was no guests at the Airbnb? No, there was the, no guests. Because remember, so he killed James Whitehurst. So yeah. he was the only other live-in person, and they had nobody check in or out. So he was basically in the clear. There was nobody that could have even heard the gunshots, because it was just an in-out in, like, rural Maine. And, like, it's just surrounded by woods. So there's no one that would have heard those gunshots. Gosh, it reminds me of that scene from American Psycho when Christian Bale's running around just popping everyone. And you oh, like, gosh. oh, wait, I forgot the security guard at the front desk and went back a little roundabout and popped him like yeah it's he just won't stop yeah okay. i mean this he's he's it's just terrible and so this is kind of graphic i'm just going to throw it out a small warning um that if you're kind of squeamish you might want to skip ahead a little bit but because a chopped up torso uh, and three dead well, dogs wasn't just, graphic it gets, enough it gets a little 
worse. <laughs> to me, in my personal opinion, this gets a little bit weirder. So this is like a little bit more descriptive of how he did what he did and oh, why. Okay. So um, once he had everybody by the tree line, Christian then proceeded to cut the bodies of all three women in half with a chainsaw, a hacksaw, and an axe. Um, and as if the dismemberment wasn't terrible enough, it was later determined that Nielsen had cut the women's fingers off to get their rings off. And then he proceeded to kill Julie's three dogs to prevent them from finding the fingers and taking them to the main road where their discovery might actually expose his heinous crimes. So it's, you know, it's just murder, murder, murder. And it's just, it gets worse. Like, yeah. Unfortunately, there was an actual thought behind the dog murders. Yeah. He, you know, he actually pointed it out. Yeah. Okay. He really, and I don't know why, but that to me, everything else is kind of graphic, but just the idea of cutting off some these fingers and then like killing the dogs like it just takes that to an even worse level for i don't know it's just the whole thing is just tragic and awful and he's twisted um so basically after the women are dead he attempted to clean up and he stashed his gun inside the toolbox before he called his parents he you know throughout the whole process uh so basically throughout the whole process the police had their doubts that christian actually committed this alone he said that they you know they looked into uh james's ex-wife as a possible suspect thinking that maybe this had something to do with a custody battle so the police just kept mulling that one around but they basically came up with zero evidence that she was linked while the police inspected this uh supposed burn site they discovered pieces of metal that were in james's leg and knees and screws that he had in his body from having polio as a child and they also discovered fragments of a 38 caliber bullet um, and pieces of a skull that confirmed that christian was telling the truth that he did do those things to james because they kept thinking well we can't find james for some reason that burn site they they didn't think looked like a burn site so they thought oh this is bullshit he just drug us out here with this you know made up excuse or whatever and mm-hmm. either james is still alive or you're just covering up for the wife or the ex-wife which this basically confirmed he was telling the absolute truth yeah so this prompted search of the vehicle of his vehicle i should say that resulted in tons of physical evidence solidifying that christian alone was the culprit yeah christian was uh questioned by police on monday night where he calmly and very matter-of-factly admitted to killing all four people it was said that he recalled uh, the killings in the same way that you you know discuss what happened during a baseball game one of the people they interviewed on the show said he was just that calm about it just, just like a play-by-play yeah play. just a play-by-play play. shot him then she showed up yeah. and i shot her and yeah no remorse her. no panic no stress he Might was as well just kill the dogs too because that's yeah. part of the plan yep yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow. it's just so i mean just insane so when uh asked what his motive was in the slayings christian said that he did not know he just said I, he told investigators that he wanted to be a serial killer and that he had thought about killing someone for at least the past five years so there's speculation that part of his motivation uh to commit these killings was to take over the black bear bed and breakfast you know to set himself up as a sole proprietor and then run it himself but you know they're not sure if that's it or if it really was just he just wanted to kill somebody and be an asshole you know, yeah. Uh, so there's I don't, no. It didn't sound like there was much of a business interest. <laughs> no, if he just. You know, I mean, I guess that kind of sparked it with the idea of him calling his parents to say, like, "Hey, Julie ran off, and now I'm I'm running this in by myself." That maybe that could have actually been part of it. That that was his plan all along. But it just sounds like he's been thinking about this for years and just said, "You know what? Today's the day." Yeah. And it was, you know, just wrong place, wrong time for poor James, and then it just set off a chain of events. So. Once the trial was actually underway, Christian's bizarre behavior started to really stand out. He carved a cross into his head, which created quite the buzz when he entered the courtroom. Um, He also went on a hunger strike and he lost 50 pounds, causing major concern for the warden who believed he might be a suicide risk. And he looked sick, like 
sickly. Yeah, I saw just pictures. Cut across in his forehead. Didn't uh, Manson cut a swastika? No, yeah. he tattooed a swastika. No, he he's yeah, he cut. He cut. Yeah, yeah. Now watch somebody will fact check me, but I'm 90 percent sure. Yeah, he cut, and so did some of his followers as well. Cut like X's or swastikas in their forehead, and okay. Yeah, so very. Uh, that's actually it's funny that you said that because that was my first thought. I was like, oh, very Manson esque that you would do yeah. that, but he was not. I mean, he's a tall, lean man, so losing 50 pounds. I saw pictures of him, and he just looked awful. So no wonder the warden was like, yeah, this could be heading in a bad direction. Skeletor. Yeah. Oh, God. Sorry. my picture. I don't know. Uh, initially, Christian pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity, but it was determined that while he was not mentally healthy, he was competent to stand trial. Justice Robert Crowley said uh, at the sentencing hearing, quote, when all is said and done, Christian Nielsen committed four of the worst criminal acts in recent Maine history. Ultimately, he pleaded guilty, and the judge handed down four life sentences to be served concurrently. Um, In Maine, a life sentence carries no possibility of parole, so life means life. Christian has never given a reason for the murders, and he is still just considered to be pure evil. And I did also see that they talked about, initially with his not guilty plea by reason of insanity, he was like, oh, you know, they they kept trying to get him to do it. And he finally said, no, I'm going to I'm going to plead guilty because if I plead guilty, it'll spare the victim's families and my family from having to go through a gruesome trial and seeing whatever. And everybody was like, oh, go fuck yourself. Are you serious? Like it kind of tried to try to make himself seem like he had mercy or compassion. And it's like, there's no mercy or compassion. No, it's like how twisted. I'm glad you you mentioned this, his because he said. For his family too. For his not family just, too. Uh, patients. Yeah. Did, was there any interview or comment from the parents, the mom or I, dad of him? Because he's only thirty. So online, his so. I, I didn't include it in here, but I know that at some point they had interviewed his father Charles, and you know I, he had actually asked for mercy for his son to not get the death penalty. Um, I know that you know at the end of it he was like I love you because he's so I think he's he has apologized if I'm not mistaken. His father has said I'm so sorry on behalf of my son for what he you know what he caused. Um, um, but God, it's like as a parent, w- there's only so much you can say or do. Like, can you imagine? I, I can't even. I can't even. And also, like, dude, you brought your dad there with your stepmom, and there's a blood trail, and he found like, d- d- yeah. you know, nobody thinks two steps ahead. Like, that's gonna scar my parents too. Like, this guy just he had no concern for anybody, and then at the trial, oh, I'll plead guilty to spare their families and my family. Uh, come on, man. Like, Jeez. like what the hell. So uh, at the time, or at the sentencing, Brooke Bullard, whose stepmother and sister were killed, read a statement written by Selby's 10-year-old son, Elliot. In the statement, which he titled, How My Life Changed and I Was Forever Wounded, the boy said that he couldn't understand the violence that took his mother and grandmother's lives. Quote, he said they, uh, Selby read, uh, or sorry, <laughs> so, whoa, messed that one up. Brooke read on his behalf, quote, they have all walked the stairway to heaven. At least there's no violence up there. So that yeah. those are the murders of James Whitehurst, Julie Bullard, Selby Bullard, and Cynthia Beetson by the dickhead Christian Charles Nielsen. Um, yeah, so that's kind of that's that case. Christian Charles Nielsen sounds like he was a writer of a book. Well, I mean, also you like know the, the three name. <laughs> a lot of times, well, the three name thing tends to come up a lot with you know a lot of killers. Like if you look at them, I guess maybe they do that to decipher, you know. So and so, like if you throw in the middle name, it's not Bob Smith, you know, because they're not like, well, wait a minute, you know, they it's like, well, it's no, they it's not, it's not exactly your neighbor Bob, it's the guy down the street with the middle name, but wow. yeah, so yeah, that's 
That's the, that's the case. And it's extremely sad. I'm glad that, you know, he's serving time for what he did. Not that that brings anybody back. But from the sounds of it, I can't stress enough that the people that he murdered sounded like they were just awesome people. Like, great mothers. Live their lives, no? Good, you know, good husband, good wife. And I think even... You know, with James, yes, he had an ex, but his children were interviewed and they said he was an amazing father. You know, so there it wasn't like any of them had a bad bone in their body. And it's just so unfortunate. Yeah. And it, I mean, look, I, I feel unfortunate for the two ladies that kind of caught him. But uh, James, right? He was a guy shot during the fishing trip. Yes. James was the one that was shot. Don't kill burned. a man during a fishing trip. That's <laughs> all I want. You just want to go out and relax oh and not say God. a damn thing. And then there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's just the whole thing. I don't know. It's just such a sad, sad situation. And of all these stories are always sad. None of them are great. But the idea of, like, killing a mom and her daughter and and the best friend and, you know, James just there trying to help, is, it's just so sad. But, yeah, so that's that's the, the story for this week. So do you know if they sold the Black Bear you know, Diner? I should have. The Black the, Bear the, Inn? The uh, Ben Breakfast. I, I think it's still up and running. I mean... It, I think it is. Like, I feel bad because now it would almost, I mean, in a way, it would turn into some. Well, people have dark idea tourism. Tourist, yeah, yeah, dark it's tourism. that, you know, and I, I actually think it is because they were showing pictures of it in that um, Sins and Secrets episode where, I, you know, they were doing the outside establishing shots and whatnot. And it looked like it was still up and running because she even had it on the market when she was murdered, unfortunately. Because um, remember, she was, Julie was about to move to New York City with another one of her daughters. Yeah. So oh, it's still open right now. Yeah. You can book it for $119 a night. Well, there you go. If dark tourism is your thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that sucks for somebody who buys that legitimately just trying to have a bed and breakfast. But, yeah. but this is all public and out on the internet and whatnot. So, so yeah. that's Maine. So not, yeah, not all of Maine. Maine. If anybody listens <laughs> no. to this in Maine, oh God. No, my bad. I didn't mean it like I mean, that. all like, five people right now, if anybody's from no. Maine. <laughs> I didn't mean it like, no, like so yes, oh, yes. that's all of me. So that is our... But that's the main, ep- that, the main episode. Oh, look at that. Very punny. Okay. Yeah, so that is the um, episode we did today from Newry, Maine. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of it. Uh, hopefully that wasn't too bad for all of you guys listening. Um, hopefully it's more than five of you. But if not, that's cool. Thank you for listening. So tune in next time for episode number two. And if you actually have any suggestions or, you know, for crimes or hopefully kind of nice comments and criticism although I have thick sin I can take it um, you can always email me at coast the number two coast crime at gmail.com and you can find me on Instagram Twitter you name it it's basically bare right now but it's there if you want it um, I will get on that I swear uh, yeah so everything is brand new and bare but I will be checking emails and all that jazz and I promise to get better at this <laughs> but this is it no, so this is fun yeah coast coast two Coast, coast to Coast Crime. Yeah, with the Bingo. number two. Coast, the number two, Coast Crime at gmail.com. Same thing as Instagram, Twitter, and I will try to stay on top of that and not suck at social media. Yeah, so that's it. I love it. All right. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next time. Take care. Bye. Bye.